Do you enjoy eavesdropping in on other people's conversations? Well, if so, you're in for a treat. You're going to be able to eavesdrop on a conversation I had with Stephen Fox of Upkeep Media. The two of us talked about the biggest mistakes and the best practices when it comes to property managers marketing for new owner leads. We talk about inbound marketing. We talk about content, the kind of content that matters and what content is a waste of time and property managers should not be doing. We even get into how many times should a property manager follow up with a prospective owner client lead before leaving that lead alone. At the end of our conversation, I'm gonna take a question as it relates to how many showings on a vacant property should it take to get that property rented. Now you'll notice in this conversation, I may sound a little bit echoey in my conversation. I recorded the uh, conversation actually yesterday at my office, so I wasn't here at my home where I have my professional microphone. So if I sound a little uh, nasally, a little bit echoey, it's because I was just using my little AirPods or whatever they are. I didn't have this equipment at my office. Our office is growing so much that I recently got demoted to the smallest office in our office building. It actually used to be a storeroom. So it's pretty echoey, but that's the price we pay for growth. So enjoy, here we go. Stephen Fox, welcome to the Property Management Business Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm as well. Uh, you and I have known each other for a little while. Yep, um, probably about two years now. A couple of years, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and the way the way I, I got introduced to you uh, was kind of interesting because you guys had reached out uh, to me. I, I was not real familiar with Upkeep Media at the time. Uh, and when I started digging into kind of how you guys do marketing, that's what I think really connected me to you because it just it resonated with, with me. I, I think marketing in our industry, and this is what I want to talk to you about today, marketing in the property management industry is like this black hole, nebulous, squishy, throw money at the wall and see what sticks. Like it's just, it's really, really hard. And I think you guys have really nailed it uh, down to as much of a science and art as it can be saying, hey, this is what effective marketing looks like. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I won't toot our own horn. I think marketing is ever evolving. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely haven't nailed it all down like you're saying. I appreciate the kind words though. Uh, at the end of the day, marketing is something that is ever evolving and you constantly have to be trying new things to figure out what works. You know, what works for your competitor might not work for you. What works in a different market might not work for your market. It might be a different strategy that's going to really bring in like the most, I would say, return on investment. But ultimately, you have to kind of go into everything with a bit of a long-term mindset. If you have a mindset of like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to try this for two, three months. Odds are you're probably going to fail a lot and you're going to waste a lot of money in the process. Mm. Just to give you an idea, like anytime we do any marketing for our business, we always have a mindset of we're going to try this between a year to two years. And then we're going to see what type of traction we've got. Because if you basically quit early on, you don't give them time for momentum to build up. So anyways, to, to kind of go back to what you were saying, um, ultimately, we, we approach marketing from a, a holistic standpoint, but really uh, focusing on generating leads from one avenue before starting to get, say, 
too complicated and overwhelming and focusing on like multiple channels. So really you want to dial things in, get one stream of lead flowing from, let's say it's Facebook or it's Google, whatever it might be. And then once you have that dialed in, that's when you can start to focus on the next source of where you're going to be generating leads. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Pull back to the 30,000 foot view here for, for just a minute. So we're talking to property managers and, and uh, for the sake of our audience here, when we're talking marketing, we're talking about generating owner client leads. We're not talking about tenant leads here. We're talking about how do you get new business? How do you grow your owner client leads? You've been in this business for, for quite some time. What's your take on the industry overall as relates to kind of the, the market, uh, if you had to kind of give us your crystal ball reading for 2024, is it going to be, are you seeing your clients? Is it harder to generate owner client leads? Is it getting softer? Uh, what are you seeing? Yeah. Um, so honestly, it, it's ever evolving as well. Like the, it really is impacted by the state of the real estate market. Um, but for 2024, what we're starting to see with uh, a lot of our clients is investors are slowly coming back in, in certain markets. It's not everywhere. There's been a lot more, let's say, accidental landlords, um, people that just can't sell their property that are looking to hire a property management company to rent it out instead. That's what's been over the last year or so. Um, but now we're slowly starting to see investors creep back in as housing prices come down in certain markets. And I, I expect that'll continue. Again, it really comes down to also like what ends up happening with interest rates, right? If interest rates go up, you have less investors generally. If interest rates start going down, you'll have more investors coming back out. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I would say for 2024, we expect to see investors slowly start to creep back in. But I would say it's probably still going to be primarily uh, the accidental landlord type of uh, person that's looking to hire a property management company. The accidental landlord. And, and I would agree with that. That's certainly what we're seeing here uh, in our market. And I'm hearing from the property managers that, that I talk to. So... Okay, let's let's walk down that road a little bit. Let's let's we're say also, another just to, to yeah. uh, add on to that. We're also starting to see a lot of real estate agents and real estate agencies move into property management. So that might be something to be aware of as a property manager as well. You might have increased competition coming, um, and some of these real estate agents are or real estate agencies are massive. Um, like we had a client, a, a prospect that reached out to us last week. They manage like 700 properties. If you go to their website, it's not even listed on their website that they do property management. Like they literally pick that all up by quote unquote accident. Um, so that's another thing that we're seeing as well, where you have real estate agents coming in because of the fact that the market's tough in terms of buying and selling. Um, so just want to put that in there as well. Yeah. And, and I think that's important uh, because it is happening. Agents are stepping into property management and this, this cycles, this happens every uh, decade. There's this giant flood of real estate agents coming into PM. Some of them stick, some of them don't. I think it's yeah. a mistake for property managers like me to just dismiss all that and be like, ah, oh, they don't know what they're doing. This is really hard. They'll, it'll never work for them. And for some of them, that's true, but a lot of them, it will stick. And to your point, there is new competition, which is all the more reason that it's important for us to make sure we're out there marketing because we may command the market today, but when you get some of these big boys stepping in with the budgets they have and with the yeah. social media type of expertise, they're already bringing to the game because they've done that yeah, through the, the sales side of things well. and the connections they have. Yeah. It's, it's going to get very competitive. It's going to get very, very competitive yeah. that way. So you mentioned a lot of accidental landlords. Do you encourage your 
property manager customers, your clients, to message specifically to accidental landlords versus messaging to real estate investors? I mean, is the message of the market, maybe a better way to say it is this, what are some common mistakes you see property managers make in their messaging? In their messaging. So with with their messaging, um, common mistakes I'd see would be in terms of the content they create um, or just not creating at all, to be honest. Um, but you need to kind of dial in on who it is you want to target and get very specific with that. So create your perfect customer, your customer avatar, and then from there, figure out, okay, are we looking to attract accidental owners? Are we looking to attract investors? And then dial in your content and your messaging to be specifically talking to those individuals. So all of your website copy, all of your social media copy should be written as if you're talking to that person. So let's say that it's uh, an accidental landlord you're looking to attract, then your messaging might be something along the lines of like, um, are you having trouble selling your property? Why don't we rent it out while the market, you know, until the market turns around, right? That's just a quick idea off the top of my head, but ultimately you want to make sure that your, your entire branding is set up to speak to your ideal client. Um, another thing in terms of, of messaging as well that we see a lot of property managers make the mistake of is trying to do too wide of a geographic area. So, you know, ultimately it, it depends where you're at with your business, but let's say for most property management companies, usually let's say under three, 400 doors under management, you don't need to be trying to be in every single market. What you need to do is focus in on one or two specific markets and become the dominant player in that market. And then once you saturate that market, that's when you can look to start to move on into a new market. But again, I guess it's kind of goes similar to what I was saying before. People kind of get overwhelmed um, because they're trying to do too much at once. And there's a lot of business even in these you know, sub-markets of a major metropolitan city. Yeah, uh, I get. I have so many questions for you, Steve. <laughs> so, okay, that's so funny you said about uh, PMs trying to expand too far. So, our every two weeks we put out a, a educational video to our group, and the video topic I don't know if it was two weeks ago was uh, the title was "Why We Are Not We Are Company Grace Management Why We Are Not Expanding into Other Markets," and I don't think you should either. It was, it was something like that, and right. I, and I kind of made the the case that you're just talking about there that PMs get so uh, uh, excited about new markets. And if you can't be successful in your own backyard, what makes you think you're going to be successful in someone else's backyard and your marketing has to expand. It's, it's much harder than, than we think. Uh, oh, hundred percent. Um, it, it's big as well, uh, from an SEO standpoint. Yes. So yes. generally if you want to, to, to show up in a particular market in the, especially in that map section, you need to have a physical location in that market. So basically like if now all of a sudden you're trying to go after like 10 different markets, you're going to need to have multiple physical locations unless the markets you're expanding into are like a five, 10 minute drive down the road. That's another story. But we, we see companies that come to us and they're trying to be in like two major metropolitan cities. Uh, they're in their first or second year in business. They manage maybe a hundred properties. And it's just like, you're, you're giving yourself a really uphill battle. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your point. Like you don't need to expand into multiple markets to have a really profitable property management company. 
Um, don't get me wrong. You can do it. And eventually you'll need to, uh, but usually you can be at like a thousand plus properties before you ever need to expand into a new market. Yep. I agree with you a hundred percent. You, uh, let me back up into something you said a few minutes ago, you were talking about the content, topical content. And you said, for example, if you're going after accidental landlords, maybe you have something that says, if you can't sell your house, consider renting it out. Like that, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good piece of, of advice right there. Because I think to what I see, in my opinion, and you, and you tell me if, if you agree with this or not, is a lot of the mistakes that PM companies make when they're marketing is it just becomes this generic almost like, here's why you should choose me. Like th that's what it turns into. We use the best technology on the market. We treat your property just like it's ours. Like I, that stuff makes me want to gag. I hate it. It is so generic. It, it is, it's pointless. It's worthless. Nobody cares about how great you are. Nobody cares about your accolades. Nobody cares about the initials after your names. They really don't. What they yeah. care about is how you're going to help solve their problem. Their problem is I can't sell my house. So don't, I'm not looking for someone with great technology. I'm looking for someone to help me because I can't sell my house. So your, your topic right there, I almost wish you wouldn't have said it, Stephen, because that's one of our favorite topics that we like to keep under, uh, under the belt, under the covers here and not tell anybody about. But that idea of, hey, if you can't sell your house, here's some options. Here's some things you should consider if you can't sell your house. Education-based, not here's how great we are based. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it, it, another thing that a lot of property management companies, like like to, to your point, is their website is just like a blanket website, right? The best thing you can do is show yourself on your website, show your personality. So your website does a great job. You get to the site, there's a video of you, they know who they're going to be working with. You have video content, right? All over the place. People can actually get there and feel like they know who you are. If you have a site that just has writing, no images, even of who you, who, who's behind the scenes. Um, it, it's just like a very generic looking property management website. And they're probably going to look at like five others that look the exact same. And when it comes down to like making a decision, they have nothing to really differentiate one company over the next other than price. So they're probably going to, you know, reach out, reach out talk to all five companies, find out the price, go with the lowest priced one, more or less, right? Obviously, your sales process has a, an important impact on that as well. But in general, like you, you want to make your company stand out. So you need to have proper brand messaging in terms of talking to your ideal client. And then you need to have video content on there to really stand out and show who's behind the scenes. And then you need to have a really good design. So a lot of property managers don't realize the impact that the design of your website has on the conversion rate, meaning the amount of people that get there that actually reach out. So if everyone, if everyone in your, your city has a very similar website that is kind of generic, like what you were saying, blanket statements, Again, it's very hard to differentiate, but if there's one company in your market that has a really nice site, it's got really you know beautiful uh, design that when you get there, you feel like, okay, this is a, a real company. This is a company that's probably a massive size company. Even if you're not, it gives that perception. It instills confidence, instills trust, and makes it that much more likely they're going to reach out to you. 
And then once they reach out to you, you also want to make sure that all of your sales materials are on point as well. Meaning that you're not just picking up the phone being like, Hey, these are our prices. If you're interested, give us a call. You should have like a really nice design pitch check that goes along with your branding, make the entire sales experience exactly that an experience that they enjoy, not just, you know, okay, I'm talking to Mark and this guy will manage my property because for this price. And that's, that's all there is to it. Make them feel like they're really working with a company that has a lot to offer. Um, and you can do that by your design. That's good. You mentioned video. Um, I mean, I have been shouting from the rooftops for as long as I've been speaking to, to property management groups about how impactful video has been for us. Uh, that's really, that was one of those milestones for us. When we started doing video content, education-based video content, that was a turning point to bringing new client leads to us because of what you just said a minute ago. Because now when people contact us, it, it's automatically a warm lead. And you talk about warm leads versus cold leads. I think everybody understands that idea that a, a cold lead is just somebody who, who clicked a link and they have no idea about anything. A warm lead is, yeah, I, I, I kind of know these people. I, I, I like them. The power of video is every lead becomes a warm lead. <laughs> yeah, because no, 100%. When people call like, our guess, office, yeah. Do, do you find those warm leads that are coming in? Are they coming in from YouTube? Are they coming in off your website? Like, what, where are they finding you from? So what we do is um, all of our videos live on YouTube. And then we link them to our website. Um, So a lot of them, most of them are finding us from the website. Most of them aren't on YouTube itself looking for stuff. Um, Because a lot of the videos we do, not a lot, all the videos we do are education-based. Here's a new law that passed. Here's how to increase the income on your rental property, like education, education, education. So because of that, uh, people that reach out to us were typically Googling one of those topics. I, I had a call just this morning, had a, had a call and an email from a guy said, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm a big investor in Denver. We typically do um, market rates or uh, upper end investing. Uh, we're going to start potentially buying in, in investing in section eight properties. I was online doing some research and I found some of your content. That's what he said. Found some of your content about section eight properties. I wanted to see if you have some time and da, 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 da. So why is he reaching out? He wasn't trying to find me. He was looking for education. He was looking, and I don't know what he Googled. Should I invest in Section 8 properties? That was probably it. I think we have a video titled that. Should you invest in Section 8 properties? So that's how we get found. And so now when he and I are going to have this call tomorrow, I guarantee you how the first couple minutes of that call are going to go because this has happened over and over and over again. I'll get on the phone with this guy. I have no idea who he is. I've never spoken to him. I don't don't know anything about him. And I'll get on the phone and he's going to act like we're buddies. Because he yeah. has watched video Mark, <laughs> my alter ego, for who knows how long. Maybe just two minutes, but maybe 20 minutes. And the longer yeah. he has spent with video Mark, the easier it's going to be for me. Because we have that, uh, he, he feels a connection with me. He feels a relationship with me. And, that, and video does that like nothing else. Oh, 100%. I mean, um, that's the power of, of inbound marketing, right? So by creating content that's useful for your target audience, you'll then drive that target audience to find you. And when they find you, they're already warm. They already feel like they know who you are. They've already interacted with you. They might have spent six hours, let's say, quote unquote, speaking with you, except you were you were talking at them. But ultimately, they feel like they've already spoken with you a bunch. So it makes it that much easier to close them once you actually get on that sales call. 
Um, yeah. So no, without a doubt, you it, that's one of the things that we focus on the most with our clients is from an SEO standpoint, not just focusing on keywords like property management Denver, right? Don't get me wrong. It's great to show up in Google when someone's searching property management Denver, but the majority of searches online are what we call long tail, long tail keywords. And that's people searching for solutions to problems they're encountering. So if you're looking to attract investors, you should be creating content geared towards uh, solutions that investors would likely be encountering in your market. If you're looking to attract the accidental landlord, you should be creating content that's geared towards, again, solutions that, uh, that, that answer the problem that an accidental landlord would be facing, right? So ultimately, when you do that over time, it really starts to, to kick in. How long, I guess, did it take you to start to see some traction from that? Because I imagine it probably wasn't, you know, I put up content in day one, you start to have leads that come in talking to you about that content, right? Yeah, um, it, it took some time. So when we started doing the the videos in our office, it was probably, oh gosh, it's probably been five years now uh, that we nice. started started putting those in place. And, and this is something else that you, I know you really push to your your group, which I think is so effective, is that that push of the content after the fact, right? There, there's, you have a very step-by-step process. Make sure you know what the content's going to be. Create the content, get the video, get the content up. And then the final step that you guys have in, in your kind of your, uh, your spider web process there is push the content out. Yes, it's, yes, we want inbound, but if you're not findable, if you're not getting that stuff pushed out there, then it's just going to sit there and no one will ever see it. So yeah, that would still be characterized under inbound, though. So, yeah, so I'll, yeah. what you're talking I'm about talking like, as an uneducated. Uh, yes, yes, thank you for your correction there, Stephen. But so what we started doing is we push our uh, our video content out uh, just one time per month to all of our owner clients, all of our current perspective, anybody who's ever contacted us. We we email blast that out one time per month, yeah. and it's it's under the umbrella of you know, did you know type of a thing. You know, did you know the new law in Colorado that says it's illegal to make any money in property management. Did you know the new law that says, you know, whatever. And that then becomes the, the push out that people find us. And it's amazing how that gets circulated uh, once it gets yeah, out there. Especially uh, for YouTube, actually not, not even just for YouTube, for Google as well. When you're, you have an email list, like what you were mentioning with your existing owners and you send it to them and then they watch it. What happens is YouTube or Google will start to see that people are interacting with this and they're actually spending time watching this video. And that sends signals to Google and YouTube, basically saying, okay, if all of these other people that interacted with Mark's video really liked it, let's show it to similar people. Because ultimately their uh, their essentially incentive or, or their, their reason for being is to provide good quality content to people. So when they see that people are, are interacting with your videos and spending a lot of time watching it, that then just goes and feeds the fire. That Then they go, okay, now we're willing to push this out to another 5,000 people, whatever it might be. But that's the way the algorithm works. It has a lot to do with retention. So when you're sending it to your existing email list, you're going to generally have a higher retention rate on that piece of content. And that ultimately is just going to help bring in even more eyes to that content. So if someone's going to go out and create the first piece of content, right? Let, let's say they've, they've never done this before. They've just kind of got that static yeah. website uh, that, to go back a couple steps on something you said earlier. 
would it be appropriate to say if people want an easy step one, if you haven't done any of this stuff and you're just trying to kind of cheat a little bit, as you said earlier, put some pictures of you on your website. Would that, would that, would that be a good step one for people to do? I mean, you said that uh, earlier that, that yeah, let, let people the, know you. The most, yeah, the, the most basic thing is just put, show who you are, show, show who's who behind are. the business. Um, and that's easy enough know, for people. That yeah, like, like if you're if you're running a business, you should be able to take a picture of yourself and get it on your website. Yes, um, I'd say that alone is not going to move the needle. No, too no, no. Much, I, but, I'm, 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 but I'm looking at like step one, step two, step three, step four. So if, if people had done nothing, that would be an improvement. Yes, where they don't that, have that right there would already be improvement. I had a buddy um, in California who had a PM company, and uh, he and his wife and smaller company, and uh, they would always bring their dog to the office. Like they loved their dog. And so he incorporated the dog into their website. Like if you go to the dog or if you go to the website, it would actually say, uh, I can't remember their dog's name, Rover, whatever. It'd be like, click here and Rover will retrieve your rental analysis report for you. Type that, I mean, that, that's that's great. Like you're, you're showing some personality behind showing the Showing personality. Right? Yeah. I, I thought it was stupid. I was like, dude, I hate I hate your dog. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, your dog scares me. It looks like it wants to, to kill me. But Again, get they, a cute they, dog. They, Get a cute dog, but they knew their avatar, right? They they honestly were going after uh, owner clients that related to that, and there are those people out there that love that, and that was their niche. That's who they went after, and it was incredibly effective for them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, show who you are. Um, show who you are. Some people okay. will like it, some people won't. And the ones but that don't, they shouldn't work with you anyway, right? Exactly. That's literally what I was going to say. Like, like if if they're not a good fit. Why not disqualify them before you have to waste time getting on the phone with them and spending an hour or two trying to convince them to work with you, right? From day one, you don't have to waste that time. You can focus that time on doing something else that's going to help grow your business or improve your operations, whatever it might be. I was talking to uh, the guy in my office who takes our leads. So leads come into our office. He's like the traffic cop. He takes those, responds to some himself, sends them out to different people in our office to respond to. And he said that Almost 50%, five zero, almost 50% of the leads that come in, uh, we never hear back from again, right? So they, they inquire about something, we reach out with our information, and then they just go dark. And yeah. here's what he said, which is very interesting. He said, I view that as a win, Mark. I said, well, what, what do you mean? And he goes, those people weren't going to be a good fit for us. Something in the material we sent out triggered them to be like, yeah, I don't want to work with these people. Maybe we were too expensive. Uh, maybe they had a furnished rental and we don't manage furnished rentals, but we give them so much data that we, that we not, not so much that it's overwhelming, but we answer most of the questions we know they're going to have so they can self-select out. We don't need to have a 20 minute conversation only for them to be like, oh, you don't manage furnished rentals. Okay. Sorry. This, I guess I don't need you because I just wasted 20 minutes there. Instead, we want to put that content, as you said, on the site, on the information we send out, and then they can self-select out. Uh, so they don't have to waste our time. No, uh, for sure. I mean, ultimately, as long as you're following up enough, um, I wouldn't say just send one email. And then if they don't respond, like, okay, it wasn't meant to be. Um, usually we recommend following up six times. Uh, once you've followed up with someone six times and they're not responding, yeah, they're, they're probably not ever going to respond. How often um, should those six responses be? Uh, two, two questions. How often should they be? Like, what's the cadence, number one? And then number two, what mode should they be through? Yes, good question. Um, so what I would recommend is follow up six times over a two-week period. 
So you can follow up. Uh, first, I would try to call them. That would generally be the first thing that you should try to do. Then you can follow up with an email. Then you can follow up with a text message. So at a minimum, you should probably double that. So then have two text messages, two emails, and two phone calls that go out to them over a two-week period. At that point, if they're not responding, add them to an email list and just keep them on that email list where at least when you're sending out content like what you were talking about before, they're regularly receiving that content so that, you know, who knows, maybe they went with another property manager two years down the road, they've been getting your emails, they're not happy with who they went with, and they want to make the switch at that point in time. Or the first time they came in contact with you, they were thinking of switching, they didn't, you know, things got in the way, whatever it might be, you still want to nurture those leads. So even if they didn't answer you, just keep them on your email list and basically just, just have them at least regularly be um, in your email list so that they're regularly getting emails from your company um, so that at least you're, you're still top of mind with them if ever one of those leads does decide, okay, now I'm ready to hire these guys. That's good. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. We get so many folks that come on board with us and we'll go to put their information into our, our monthly drip, our email campaign, and we'll enter it and it'll be like, this email already exists in here. Yeah. Meaning they've been getting our emails for months, years, sometimes years uh, in the past. And as you said, something triggered them. They're not happy with their current company. Maybe they were self-managing and they're finally ready for us. And they often tell us, they're like, oh, I've been getting your emails for a long time. I think we're ready to go with you. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, your email list is, uh, I like to look at it as future cash flow, right? So the bigger your email list is, the more clients you're going to have sign up with you long-term. And when I say email list, I don't mean a list that, you know, you went and scraped a bunch of people that might be rental property owners that have never interacted with you. What I'm talking about are people that signed up to be on your email list in one way or another. Maybe you have some sort of valuable content in exchange for that content they left their, their email. But as you grow that list, your business will grow as well. Um, exactly what you're talking about. People will be on your email list for two, three years. And at that point, they're like, okay, you know what? I've been seeing Mark Alt for the last three years. This guy obviously knows what he's talking about. I think now I'm ready to switch to his company. So if people are listening and they're like, you know, Steven, this sounds really good, but uh, I'm kind of busy. Like I'm kind of trying to run a PM company. I don't have time to go record a bunch of videos and write a bunch of content and start sending out emails. And that that sounds really overwhelming. That's not my skill set. Tell me how Upkeep Media helps with that. For sure. Um, so you can kind of look at us like your partner in marketing. So rather than having to hire someone in-house that's going to focus solely on marketing to generate owner leads you would hire us at a fraction of the cost of hiring a full-time staff member. And basically we take care of online marketing for you. So we'll literally take, let's say figuratively the keys to your website. We'll take over the back end. Um, and then we're going to go to work. We're going to create content for you. Um, if you're open to creating content, we can collaborate with you. So for example, like I was saying before, the best thing is to have, videos with the actual face of either the owner or at least uh, you know one of the people that are involved with the company. Um, but we'll collaborate with you on that. And then we'll take care of your site basically to get it to the point where it's generating owner leads consistently. And then all you have to do is hire someone or do it yourself, but basically close those leads. That's pretty slick. That's pretty slick. You guys have a free... Um... Uh, not demo. I mean, everybody has demos. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a concept. 
Yeah. So we call it a growth marketing session. Um, it's basically a free call to any property management company that's interested. And before the call, we're going to do research and we're going to take a deep dive into your market. We're going to take a look at what of the what are the strategies that some of your competitors are using to bring on new properties. Okay, I got to interrupt you. I got to interrupt you, because I love that. I love that. You guys are the only company I know that does that. You guys aren't. This isn't just jump on a call and be like, "Hey, Mark, here's a couple ideas you should you should be doing." You're going to come into my market and you're going to look at my top competitors. And you're going to see what they're doing better and worse than me, so that I can overcome that if they're on top of me. Is that right? That's correct. From an online standpoint, um, so obviously, you know, if, if someone has. Uh, cars with vinyl wraps or anything, we can't see that. Um, we're, we're not physically located in there in your market probably. Um, but yeah, from an online standpoint, we're going to take a deep dive and look at what your competitors are doing from an, like from an advertising standpoint and show you that um, to the best of our ability at least. Uh, but generally we're able to, to see most of what's going on behind the scenes uh, with different tools that we use. That's that's great. And we'll put a link uh, here in the, the podcast notes if people want to do that. But if they're not if they're not seeing the link, how can they reach you? Yep. Um, so they can reach me personally on LinkedIn. Uh, they can also follow us on YouTube. Um, and they can reach out to us on our website, of course. So if you go to upkeepmedia.com, and then you'll see in the top right corner, there's a start here button, or just go to upkeepmedia.com slash growth, fill out the form on that page, book a time to speak, and then a member of our team will reach out uh, to go over that growth marketing session with you at the time you choose. And I know a lot of PMs that use you, and I have yet to uh, hear anything negative. People people rave about you to me, which I'm kind of like, hey, shut up! I don't need you. Don't need to tell me how great Stephen is. Okay, I get tired of hearing it, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. That's nice to hear. That that makes my day. This is a total uh, random question. What is the yeah. biggest mistake you've ever made in business? Biggest mistake? Good question. Um, trying to figure out things on my own that I could have hired somebody to do in half the amount of time. Um, so I'm big on buying courses, uh, hiring consultants, basically anyone who has the knowledge that I want, I will go out, find them, even if they, they're not necessarily consultants or anything, I will go out, find them on social media, whatever it is, and I will offer to pay them for their time. Um, so, you know, different people obviously have different numbers um, that, that they're willing to, to speak to you for. But yeah, generally that that's, let's say the biggest mistake I made was just trying to figure things out on my own. When there's a million people out there that have the answer you're looking for that have already walked the the road that you're looking to go down. Um, and you can just go out there and probably find all of that info in a matter of an hour by speaking with them and just offering them money for their time. I can't do any better than that. Stephen Fox, thank you. No problem. Well, if you're having trouble generating those owner leads, reach out to Stephen. We've got a link in the podcast notes here. Schedule the call with them. Have them analyze your site, have them analyze your market, give you some best practices, help you improve your marketing. We've got to be bringing owner-client leads in. And with the market as hot as it is, you should be bringing in a substantial number of leads to your company. Well, let's pivot here away from owner-client leads to applicant leads. Question came in from Ed. Uh, Ed said, uh, Mark, what are the benchmark conversion ratios for rentals in the industry? Meaning, what percentage of inquiries should turn into a tour and what percentage of those who toured should apply to rent the home? 
Good question, Ed. So the, what we're asking here is the phone rings or the email lead comes in and they say, hey, I'm interested in your property for rent. How many of those should it take to get a showing? And then how many showings should it take to get an application? And really, to follow that up even further, how many applications should it take to get a signed lease? Well, let's break that down. Number one, how many leads should it take to get a showing? This is going to be a very dramatic difference in the answer, depending on the market you're in, depending on the type of property it is. It's going to depend on the market dynamics. So if you're in a slow, low population market and you're renting a single family home, maybe you'll have two calls in a day. I don't know. In our market, we get multiple calls per day. So there's no number I can give you, Ed, on the number of inquiries you should expect to see. Now, as we take it from the percentage of those leads to a tour, I can give you something more concrete. So as leads come in to your office, what we wanna see in our office is we would like to see showings happen based upon only qualified applicants. What that means is this. Leads come in, we can't control the lead flow. It could be someone scrolling on Zillow and just clicking, send me info, send me info, send me info. How do you confirm whether they're qualified or not? Well, what we want to do is we want to look at, okay, so leads come in, and if people want to see the property, we ideally only want qualified people to see the property. How do we measure that? We would like 25% of the people who view a property to apply to rent it. So four people view a property, we want one out of four to apply. One of the ways we make that happen is by ensuring that the marketing of the property is accurate and professional. So if your marketing is crummy, right? let's say you just have one exterior picture and all these leads come in and all these people view it. If you've had 10 viewings on a property and nobody applied, what that tells me is your ad is not doing a good job of conveying the reality of the property. People were attracted to it and then they walked it and they were like, ugh, this is yucky. Or I don't like this part of town. Those are the things they don't know usually until they see the property. So how do we help them know that before they see the property? Well, one thing you can do is put up good quality pictures that are realistic. Don't hide the picture of the small bedroom because otherwise when they get there, they're going to see the small bedroom and say, well, I can't rent this. The bedroom's too small. It's better to have someone view accurate pictures and say, no, this property isn't for me than it is to schedule a showing only to have the person say, no, I don't like avocado appliances. Put pictures of auto avocado appliances in your ad. You want to be accurate. Same thing with videos. We believe in doing video tours of all of our property. It's as simple as walking through with your iPhone, touring the property. It gives people a much more realistic aspect of the property and what they're getting themselves into. So if we do that well, then we believe one out of four tours should result in submitting an application. If it's not, we question, are we doing something wrong? Now, what about those applications? How many applications should it take to get an approval? This has the same type of answer in that if you are doing a good job on your website explaining your scoring criteria for applications, I believe you should have approximately a 50, that's five zero, 50% 50 approval rate on your applications. If it's much lower than that, if you're only approving two out of every 10 applicants that get submitted, it doesn't necessarily mean your scoring criteria is too high, but what it does probably mean is you are not doing a good job of setting expectations with those applicants on what you approve, 
for and what you decline. So for example, if somebody has an eviction on their record and you auto decline for that, your website, when it comes to them applying, your website should clearly state, if you have an eviction in the last three years, that will be auto declined. Because what you've done now is you have kept someone who had an eviction two years ago from applying. That's what you want. You want as much as is possible for people to self-screen themselves. Ideally, when someone applies to rent one of my properties, I want them to know, I want them to think, hey, I've read the, the scoring criteria for grace management. It's clear. Of course I'm going to get applied. They say what the credit score is. They say what the requirements are. They tell me all the information on who gets approved and who gets declined. So I'm going to go ahead and apply because I know I'm going to be approved. And the inverse is true as well. If they are going to be declined, I want them to know they're going to be declined before they even apply. So the better job you can do of setting expectations on the quality of the property, as well as your applicant scoring standards, the higher percentage of applicants will apply and the higher percentage of applicants will get approved for your property. Hope that helps, Ed. So what's your conference schedule plan in 2024? Do you have any events that you're going to be attending? At the time this uh, podcast is released, I believe right now I should be out in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, speaking at their state NARPM event on a couple property management topics. Uh, did you know that I have a page on my website at pmbuild.com that tells you where I'm going to be speaking in 2024? Uh, in March, I'm going to be speaking in Great Falls, Montana. Uh, March 7th and 8th, I'll be in Missoula, Montana, speaking to a PM group out there. The last week of March, I'm really looking forward to this one, I'm going to be speaking in Napa, California to the Cal NARPM, that's the California National Association of Residential Property Managers Group, March 26th, 27th, or 27th, 28th, and 29th. My friends, even if you're not in California, consider attending their event. It's a great event, and I'm actually going out a day early. We're doing a day zero event with them where I'm gonna do an all-day training for property managers on how to run a successful property management business. Not how to do property management, but how to run the business end of the business. I'm really excited for that. If you're in California, please sign up for that. I'd love to meet you. Come spend a couple days with the Cal NARPM group and me, and it's in Napa, California. How much better can it be? We've got a couple events that I'll be doing at our office here in Denver. Uh, we've got one coming up in April. We've got another one coming up in May that's spending two days with me at my office in Denver, excited for those. And then in uh, April, I believe it is, I will be out in Florida uh, speaking at the NARPM Broker Owner event out there as well. But jump on our website and you need to figure out where you wanna go. How do you wanna spend your time, invest your time in some high quality events in 2024? If it's gonna be one that I'm speaking at, make sure you come up, say hello. I'd love to meet you. Otherwise, how can we help? Jump on our website, PM Build. Check out our information there. Until next time, my friends, I wish you success.